it's the scene when Gwyneth Paltrow comes off the bus. It's that track that takes a very mundane moment and turns it into this beautiful moment in time. Welcome to Sync Love, where we get the joyful task about talking about the magical period of music and picture. I'm super excited for this episode to get to talk to a friend of mine who is a fantastic music supervisor in the industry. And I think we'll have a lot of fun having this chat about the Royal Tannenbaums, which is the film that he picked for us to talk about, as well as just talking about his own inspiration and work. Without further ado, I will introduce the man himself, Mike Ladman. Since joining Jordan 5 in 2016, Mike Ladman has developed the music department and manages music and audio capabilities. During this time, Mike has helped lead the agency to win over 25 music and advertising industry awards, notably four Can Lions Awards, two DNAD pencils, four Clearance, and six EMP awards, among others across brands such as Google, The New York Times, Hennessy, and others. In 2018, Mike was named one of Billboard's top branding car players. He has been an international music delegate around the world at music festivals and conferences in Denmark, Amsterdam, Israel, Brazil, and more. Prior to joining Jordan 5, he was a music producer at McCann for nearly seven years, where he provided music for clients such as Microsoft, the United States Army, Verizon, MasterCard, and more. Mike received his first film credit managing the music supervision for an indie film, Track Town, which premiered at the LA Film Festival in 2016. In his free time, you can find Mike DJing around New York as DJ Puppy Hiccups. Welcome to the show, Mike. Uh, that, was, that, was a, that was a mouthful. Yeah, <laughs> well, I might, we might, I might have to talk to PR and get that trimmed down a little bit. Make the, the spark notes of the highlights. Yeah, that was, a, that was a, actually, I'm excited that it wasn't the trimmed down version because uh, I know you and I know you've done a lot of cool stuff and I know some of the stuff that's on there, but when you read it, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, you've Just, been at it. Just wait until this year after all the Facebook and New York Times go to award shows. I think there you know, that's what's up. That's what's add up. another another paragraph to that. I was super excited for you, man. You're doing great stuff. And, and thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Thanks for having me and thinking of me. To get into this, I wanted to actually get you to recount one of the earliest times we got to truly head out. And, and this was us going and having dinner at Raul's in Soho. Because I want to touch on something that, that I think brings out your passion for what you do. Yeah. So I think the fun and the tricky thing about music supervision, I think anything you're, you're passionate about is it's tough to turn it off. So for music supervision, I'm always listening to music and thinking, oh, this could be good for this scene or that scene or this or that, whether it's watching TV or, you know, back when I had roommates, I'd like run out of the band. I'm like, oh no, what is that song? Who used that? I'm pitching that for a spot, something I'm working on right now. So when you were in town to hang out and eat steak, as you often try to yeah, it's <laughs> right around the city. I'm, I'm happy to join the adventure. Yeah, a very fun quest. We went to Raul's, which is an iconic place. And just in the time from, I think, ordering drinks until steak, I kind of had a 911, you know, they needed tracks in two hours for a client presentation. I don't remember why it was a fire drill, why I got moved up or what the thing was. But uh, so we went upstairs and I just had my laptop and my hard drive and just plugged in and started pulling tracks that fit the brief. You had an edit cut, so you were pulling oh. tracks and you're listening against the edit cut. Yeah, I think I, I was a good chance of probably not only pitching tracks, but also editing them to picture, which is something <laughs> that just through the necessity of the job, uh, something I've gotten quite good at and has yeah. become a double-edged sword because now they always want me to edit to picture. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I don't, it's like very time consuming. So it's, it's a, a tricky thing. I'm like, no, have the editor do it. Like, <laughs> that's weird. That's somebody with the title editor. <laughs> it's something I do to like sell through a track, right? So if I'm going to send 10 to 20 tracks, I'll maybe do my top three to five to picture. Or instead of sending 20, I'll send 10 because it's a good chance if you try to lay all 20 to picture, 10 actually will work. I feel like that experience brought out a few things. One is, as you say, the passion for it. Like you were like, yeah, I know we have these martinis here, but I got to do this fire drill. And this is, it's just down at Happy right now. And it was pretty fun to watch you do your thing. And you actually doing the edit to picture in those moments also showed how much you felt that the attention to detail and the first and foremost for you, it felt like it was all about finding great songs, you know, great, great art and great songs coming together in sort of a magic moment, magical serendipity in some sense. But the detail, the attention to detail about how that lines up, that's where you kind of take it to another level. Has that been something that you've always uh, felt was important and always did in your craft? Uh, I think it's evolved as creative asks have been elevated. I think Troga is a very unique and special place where they always want to do something better. Mm-hmm. And there's more weight on music and often no VO. So it's only music. So the full spotlight is there. So you can't mask things easily. Mm-hmm. So it's evolved and I've gotten, you know, being a, a perfectionist is always looking for better and going for that. And so I think, uh, we're already talking about food, which is great because a lot of my analogies for what I do, I can kind of only relate through food. So I think if you have a song that says the lyrics right and has a tempo right, that doesn't mean it, it's going to be good for the spot or really give you those feels or make it something special, right? It could be a burger, but if it's not good ingredients, not a good burger. So, right, so there's your song, right? Here's, now you got the good meat. And then how do you prepare that? And I think that's what an edit can do. Like how long do you have the intro when the lyrics come in? And knowing the material, knowing the song to know and the spot, you know, how it's going to operate within that 30 or 60 seconds. All right, now let's bring in the chorus. Let's wait. Let's maybe chop the song a little bit more. But doing that allows it to hit picture. I think that's why it's a double-edged sword because I don't have time to do it. But I know my edits will often be better than the editors. So you have to have those right ingredients and then you have to prepare it and present it well for it to be received well. Yeah. Which... I think, you know, creatives are juggling VO, they're juggling copy and legal and all these things. So they don't, as much as they love music, they don't have time to just devote and, and go all in on it like that. That's right. And all, all in is a good way to describe your, your process. And, and I think in some sense, what you expect when people send you music, I've kind of had the opportunity to watch you work on that side of things as well. And one of the things that struck me is that you've always been like, look, I don't want you to think about advertising music. I don't want you to think in those terms. I want you to think in terms of just great music and great art and let me worry about where it fits in the context of this job or maybe a future job. But you always just want it to be exposed to great music. And I'd love for you to tell people more because I think this is something that people love to understand about the creative process as it relates to music supervision is how you think through that end-to-end thing, sourcing stuff all the way through, ultimately ending up putting something in front of a client. Yeah, I think that has also evolved. And I found people answer briefs. Again, they give me that thing. Like sometimes you don't always want what you ask for. And I found that just asking people for great music is like, I'll I'll find that that's, I think, really the job of a music supervisor is to organize, file, and gather as many great songs as possible and pitch them appropriately. And finding those songs is more challenging than finding a song that lyrically works for sake. 
and defining what that great song is, it's trickier to do through email. For me, than the latest definition I've been doing to try and define that intangible, oh, great song, which is music is subjective, which is why this is a difficult role because you have to have people of different backgrounds, ages, musical tastes and things and goals too for what they want their, we want a film, they want to sell a product, you know, for, for, you know, threading the needle through all that. But for me, I would say a great song is, and when I send out those searches, which I'll go back to in a second, I take all the tracks and I download them all and throw them in a playlist in iTunes. And then I just listen through them blindly. I'm either actively listening or I'm doing emails. Usually I'm, I'm kind of doing a few things, but a song that stops me my tracks for emailing or when I'm listening within those hundreds or thousands of tracks, the song that jumps out at me through there will likely jump out at you through the TV or whatever that medium is and stop you. And I think that's what most great songs do. It also depends on the song that precedes it and all that, that builds you up for why that song stuck out. But I think there are those songs where you don't know the words, but if I played you 10 songs, I think there's a good chance a lot of people would agree with, oh, this one is special and has that magic. And so when I send out briefs, I found it more effective to just say, just send me great songs because I have a lot, but if it's not right for this, it'll be right for something else. And that's, I found one of the big keys to my success is my organization of music and my playlists for everything. Because when you have those moments at Raul's where like, hey, we need songs in three hours. To just sit there and think of like, oh, what's a song with this? It's like, well, I have a playlist for that. And then that'll spark my own ideas. Or I've done a search like this and I can go that and have all these lyrical themes, you know, confident, swagger, winning. And then I have all these rabbit holes I can go down. And I know that those rabbit holes of playlists, they've already been vetted by me. So I know the tracks on there are already Mm -hmm. good songs that'll work into something. So it's kind of... I think like most things, like anything, just putting in the reps, the more nice. songs I listen to, the better the chances I'll find great songs, the more great songs I have, the more playlists, the more filing, the better chance those songs will have success. But in those briefs, I try to be specific and funny or human because I, I think it's important. There's people answering those briefs and you guys get flooded. Yep. And so if I could stand out amongst them uh, with dog gifts, <laughs> everyone. Uh, uh, it's like, you know, maybe try to grease the wheels that my briefs will be answered with maybe a little bit more care or just first because they're more fun. Well, you know, some of the, the most fun, at least for some of the analysts on our team is when it's not even just a, a brief, it's just a, Hey, you know what? I just want to hear what your jams are, you know? And that's just fun because we're exploring music together. Yeah. And I would think, you know, hopefully you you got into this business because you love music and have a passion for it. So. Everyone I meet, everyone on the sub, when subways were a thing, you would go into frequently. <laughs> I'd always kind of like peek over and like kind of say, oh, what are they listening? Who's listening to what? And I'm always just curious what everyone's listening to and like, how are they music supervising that moment on the train? What is the music doing to capture that moment? How are they feeling right now? And I'm always curious and it's interesting because of my role. That's right. And have people dig in. You know, we, you know we've used the word magic a number of times in, in terms of thinking about pairing and, and what great music can do right? In terms of uh, song tracking your own moments. And so it's a good way to segue to talking about, about film. So you picked Laura Multanimals and it's a great film. And, and why did you pick it? Uh, I picked it for that one scene, to be honest. It's the scene when Gwyneth Paltrow comes off the bus. Bus, yes. She yes. gets off a bus and walks, I don't know, 50 like, feet? Yes. Like that's, like that, yeah. that's all that happens. <laughs> There's nothing 
she gets off a bus and then they go in slow motion. Yes. And then these days performed by Nico Richard, written by Jackson Brown comes on mm. and you just get lost. Like, yes. it's just like the whole world as a viewer is slowed down and you're just captured by this moment. I think that was the first time I was aware of that song. Yeah. And it's just, everything stops. It's like a forced meditation. You just zone in on this and it's just beautiful. And it's like a very fleeting moment. It's maybe 20 seconds. But it, feel, it feels a lot longer, right? Does yeah, and it's, it's just it's yeah, it's that sort of what that magic is, where you can't quite put your finger on it or describe it. But I think it's that track that takes a very mundane moment and turns it into this beautiful moment in time, this beautiful part of the film that is maybe wouldn't have been as important, you know? It wouldn't have stuck out. It, yeah, it's that thing where just all the things are right. It's slowed down motion it's the colors it's like the film quality itself and then you have this warm production with strings her voice and just the way the sound cuts out the guitar comes in it just has all, all, all the feel that's right the technical term all the feel yeah <laughs> yeah no that's that's great and you know in a film that had so much music and a lot of great music and paired musical moments with whimsy and fun but could take on topics that under the surface are really interesting is pretty amazing. Uh, Wes Anderson is definitely a director who's known for music and Randall Poster is the music supervisor for all his stuff. And <laughs> it's interesting because there certainly is a Wes Anderson sound. Yeah. But they're all, they're all quite different, but it's, it's usually simple. And I think the word and ad people described it up was, was quirky, which I would maybe say there's something a little unusual about it, which was mm -hmm. kind of why it was, I think, charming. Yeah. Whether it was hearing these plucky strings or something classical, maybe you didn't hear, or the 8-bit sort of electronic stuff from... Mark, the Mark song. Okay. Yeah, Mark Weather about Like, there was something like, oh, I haven't mm -hmm. heard this, but it's not this grand Hans Zimmer, John Williams thing. It's it's something minimal, usually, even in that, 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 you know, Ping Pong Island song by Mark Mothers Vow. There's still a warmth in it, a human mm -hmm. quality to yeah. even those sort of more analog electronic stuff. That's and I right. think that's also what we're trying to always do what I'm looking for, why some modern stuff is tricky to get those feels because it's just produced in a box. And I love a lot of electronic music. There's a bunch on, on vinyl, but for film, I find it loses that, that warmth, that, that thing. It's tougher to get the feels a little bit mm -hmm. from it. And I'm fine. They're, he's great around the poster and West of finding these unexplored or unearthing and recontextualizing a lot of lost music from different periods and around the world. Yeah, you know, something else that, that I noted in that film and in others by Wes Anderson, one, one of the things we talked about before the show was, was that life chronic. And, and so thinking about where they kind of recontextualize existing material, but in new ways. So essentially covers, right? That's where that's what you're doing. But yeah. it doesn't, it cover almost feels like the wrong word to use for, for what they do, right? With music on the yeah. sense. Yeah, with the, the David Bowie covers are mm -hmm. just the yeah, nylon string covers are, are beautiful. And I actually don't know the research for where that idea came from or how that came about. Because it's, it's also a bold choice to just go all in on David Bowie for that. I suppose yeah. <laughs> they also did that with the Kinks, Darjeeling Limited, but just go all in an artist that is, it's a cool, bold choice, but then to do it and do it in a totally yeah, other way. 
Yeah, and then really you know, the use of the yeah. you know language to actually give people a completely different context for interpreting it. I think I saw a quote by Boeing where for him it was re-examining the beauty of those songs because yeah. it was in such a different context. And and of course, taking Sir George and putting him into the film in that way too. It all came together except it felt very, very thoughtful and deep. Yeah. And also it just took these big lush David Bowie productions and then just minimized it to just the guy and a guitar, yeah. which was really lovely. And also I'd still say my two other favorite moments aren't even those moments, actually. It's uh, the zombies, the way I feel inside when he's walking out of the water. There's <laughs> um, an acapella vocal and Todd Argent, the singer of the zombies, just has such a, an incredible voice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they really have, you know, some early albums, compilations and, you know, the Odyssey and the Oracle, one of the best albums, but everyone knows the hits in that album and that song. It's just so haunting. Yeah. And then to one up that, the crescendo pinnacle moment of that movie, when they finally see the, you know, the yeah, yeah. fish is yeah. Seagaro. Jag- the Jaguar, the Jaguar. The Jaguar, yeah. <laughs> and then you get this Seagaro's thing, which they're always beautiful and angelic. And then just that weird clay motion, whatever that was, the whole thing together is just, that's totally the feels. You know, uh, one of our producers and I were talking about the fact that you have a film like that, whether it's Season or Life, sorry, Life Aquatic or, uh, or the Royal Tenenbaums, where you have, you know, somebody like Mark Weatherball on sort of composition and score. You have Randall Poster on supervision. You bring in, like in the case of Life Aquatic, Sarah George doing this unique thing, and you're taking songs as part of it by, by somebody like Bowie. And you put all that together, and like you could have taken any one of those people and said, go to town. This whole thing's yours. But you actually put all of them together on the same canvas and they managed to do it with such balance that it, it works so well, right? Uh, and that was really incredible. Yeah, I think collaboration is great. I mean, that's why I send out those searches for what do you like instead of just my taste. I want to know everyone else's and the more you ingest, the better. And as you were saying that, I was just realizing why I like that. And also the magic is, right? It's tough to put words to. And that's where I think it's interesting to maybe do them in another language because then you're not distracted and it, it there is sort of more magic because there's unknown and there's some mystery to that and then particularly with Sigaros where he made up their own language and I think for me growing up going to Hebrew school <laughs> I'm not religious but I always thought it was when they sing and they're you know up there and they're holding the Torah these scrolls and they're yeah. saying these noises and singing them whoa that's like <laughs> some otherworldly magic non-human stuff and then i remember once i started reading the translations i was like oh it's the same thing everyone else is saying then it just sounded human and english and tangible so not knowing what they're saying led me to believe there was more magic and there was something Mm. to it and i think cigaros here's this beautiful moment what words do we even say here and i don't know the words for it but these noises coming from yonsi mixed with these strings that's right (laughs) you don't need to say exactly what's going on with the moment and i think that's often the problem with those sync songs here i'm happy i'm walking outside it's sunny and then you see that it's like the viewer can have some poetic freedom and you don't need to say exactly what you're seeing right you know i think leaving that into interpretation of the viewers where you get their feels because they're letting their own emotions tell that story you're just giving them the basics you know that's why a book sometimes people say is better than a movie because you're not spelling it out for them they take on their own meaning to it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So where do you find 
inspiration. There's the collaborative aspect of it. So we're getting people to send you stuff. But my sense of unit time, I've known you, is that you spend a lot of, of time digging deep in your own collection as well. Where does inspiration come from for you? How do you, dis- how do you discover stuff on your own when people aren't sending you stuff? Yeah, I think I guess it would be a, a couple ways. I, I like things that are, I haven't heard before. I always, no one is more excited to like hear a new song than me. I feel like people are like, aren't you sick of music? I'm like, when I get a song, like find something that's like, oh my God, I text <laughs> it to everyone. I email the agency and creatives and we'll just share it with everyone. So I actually got a community phone number where I can, it's like a mass text so people can sign up and I text them. New music should be every week. It's more like maybe once or so a month, but just to send people music I'm excited about. And I did that because I have certain groups of friends and people who I trust their musical taste and they know where my tastes lie. And so we just kind of hit, it's sort of that where we keep sharing that. So I tried to do that on a larger scale. Hmm. And so what excites me are constraints often inspire creativity, Mm -hmm. often a bit in older music because there was limited technology back then. So people were forced to find creative ways to create the noises in their head. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just go on a computer and push that, or we couldn't afford an orchestra. We couldn't afford the strings Sigaros had. So how else can we recreate that? And you got some flawed or maybe bad interpretations of strings, but that's even cooler. Like the kids, they can get melodrum. Right? I mean, that's the 808 doesn't sound like drums at all. It was supposed to mimic drums. It sounds awful if you compare to drums. <laughs> but instead, using that in its place created something new. So I think when you have those moments in time, so there's a new piece of technology used for a different purpose than it was intended for is where you get things that are unusual instead of everyone playing the same chords on guitar. So I draw from that. I do get drawn to things from other parts of the world, other languages, because the melodies and rhythms are just different because of the, the structure of their language and the rhythms within the culture. So, I mean, Light in the Attic, Numero Group, Strut Records, Aquarium, like those are all my favorite labels because they're good at mining nets. They do the whole work right. and curation for me and compilations. And like Aquarium Drunkard is just a blog that's also a fan of all those that aggregates all those. So I'd say I'm always trying to look in other places. I feel Spotify has sort of, Discover Weekly is sort of homogenizing that process. <laughs> and so I'll get a track and like, oh, this is a cool, weird, deep cut. Like, what is this? And then I'll have all my creatives and other people sending me that same song. Same song. <laughs> and I'm like, great for that artist to finally get recognized for this thing. But now everyone knows the same nuggets. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I like to find that unexpected thing and give people something they haven't heard or experienced before. So it's like, you know, if everyone shops at J. Crew, everyone looks the same. So mm-hmm. I try to go to other places to have a different sonic experience. Yeah, I feel that. So speaking of places to go, especially in a world where we have no constraints about that now, I think you're the one that's been telling me about a few different forums that you're exploring these days. And I think one's Clubhouse. Tell people a little bit about what you're trying to do there. So for music and discovery, I, well, I've, I've been hosting rooms about music licensing. And it's been interesting because getting a lot of positive feedback from artists and all these people of, I think they thought we were these guarded gatekeepers that no one knew or saw really. Mm -hmm. And now they can just push a button and go on stage. And I try to moderate my rooms in an orderly fashion. 
you know, eventually in time, they can come talk to these people who I think we're, we've been kind of behind closed curtains mm-hmm. for a while. And I think it's have Shep Gordon from the documentary Super Mensch. You know, you go to a restaurant, you have no idea who made your food, who brought you that thing you enjoyed. And I think that's sort of music supervisors. They're the ones behind films, TV, ads, curating the music for you that you love. And you have no idea who's even making that. Mm-hmm. And so I think to then bring those people out from the kitchen out behind the curtain is interesting to have people know who's actually doing that job and what is that job and it's lucrative for artists. And now there's even courses in college about music supervision. Right. And so it's interesting, this whole thing, Bob Dylan's catalog just sold to university. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I've had three, 300 million, maybe something like that. (laughs) The money doesn't even matter for why that's important in my opinion. It's the fact that I've had cousins, uncles, and different people telling me about music rights acquisition. <laughs> like that's now a mainstream yeah, thing, it's a thing, you know? I think we've been comparing music rights to real estate right. for a while. That's right. And, you know, and then there's hypnosis and you're seeing the- That's right. That's what I was going to say. It's, it's working out. It's, it's really sort of, you know, creating- And London bankers are investing in music rights, which is really, it's interesting. Those evergreen kind of copyrights, like a Bob Dylan, the Beatles, mm-hmm. there's only a finite amount of those things. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be interesting to see where those costs keep Yeah, no, I mean, no, and it, it feels like the strategy behind it, but in some ways, their hand was forced, given all of this new money uh, coming in to try to lock up ranks. So they were like, look, we, we're, we're a major. We've got we've to show that we're in this game in a way that's impactful. And so that definitely is planting the flag. So we'll see what else other people do. Yeah. So it'll be interesting how our roles and influence, it, you know, changes and evolves as it gets pushed to the spotlight. And I think you're just seeing more music in TV shows, films, and ads. You know, it's just looking for that instead of the score because it's just a way to connect music into culture. Speaking of the evolution and evolution of the role, it's a sort of a personal territory for you because... You have this wealth of experience in the advertising realm. And in some sense, I think what you do and what Droga does is think a lot of these things as art pieces, as short film pieces, and thinking about how you score those things in some sense, right? And I think that's where you can get some real magic in terms of thinking about those creative periods. The thing that caught my eye was the fact that you done some work on a film. And I'm curious, this, how did you get involved in it? And, and where do you see that taking you in terms of your own evolution in music supervision? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I remember a month after starting fresh out of college, I met an incredible, incredible human. Now I'm lucky to say a friend and an incredibly talented music supervisor, Michael Hill, who was doing music for Bored to Death at the time. And he's done a ton of stuff. Devoris, there's Jackie, he A&R the replacement, which is the coolest badge of honor anyone could wear. And I was like, immediately, I want to do film and TV. And the more I learned about it, and knowing the timelines, the money and how it works. Film is sort of like making an album. It takes years and blood. And advertising is sort of like the hit factory. And there's mm-hmm. a piece and there's a hustle and an intensity to it that I think, although everyone can get burned out because of that, there's an addiction to that <laughs> uh, for sure. So it's kind of like cranking out the singles. Yeah. Um, so that film, it's something I just really wanted to do to see what that was like. And my friend brilliant composer, Jay Wadley at Found Objects. He was scoring a film and he got me involved in that one. And it was a year and a half or two and a much different experience. An indie film 
budget-wise versus dealing with a brand and how those licenses are set up, you know, is very different. Although I am working on a new film now that I'm extremely oh. <laughs> excited about. Uh, very early stages, so I don't know how much I could say, but it'll be... Mm-hmm. Very music based, New Orleans based. A lot of, I love that every job, like time I do this, you know, after over a decade, there's always something new in everything. So it's always learning. This will be a lot of learning, but a lot of really interesting, exciting names and blending of genres, which is something that I love. So, um, very excited that hopefully, well, yeah, it'll be we, a year or two. We won't have something. I will, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, it'd, it'd be interesting. It'd be fun to do more. Right now, I feel like, you know, Droga's the Yankees, so the, yeah, yeah, that's the right. world in my field just comes to my desk and I'm just like every day, like, yeah. just lucky to be able to flex these creative muscles, you know? Right, right. But a great chef, you put like a great chef in McDonald's, he can't really do much because no one's asking for anything. He's just got to make Big Macs. And so going to some other shops where they maybe don't have the creative, the count and the brands that allow that creative flexibility and boundary pushing, you can't do as much. So right now I'm happy to push those boundaries. All right. Well, so after we for the time being, but we can finish out it that says that Mike wants to do your film. <laughs> I, yeah, like, like the challenge is bandwidth, bandwidth allowing. Yeah. You know, because whatever I do there will help me do this. And so you were talking about how we call things films and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking for is a long form online piece. And instead of going to places that try to replicate artists or try to replicate film scores we just go to those composers you know we go to the band and we just try to either license them or like hey do you want to just score it instead of hey can you sound like him let's just ask him because you know with brands there's money and particularly now people are home and have time and because the work is good that's right that's right you mentioned jay wadley is that the jay wadley i'm thinking of ending things yes yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's it, interesting enough, we, the last episode we recorded, that was the film that we were talking about. I've been a huge Charlie Kaufman fan and yeah, yeah, he's. But we'll have to point you at that episode as well, because we had a great well, time talking about the, the film and a lot of cool stuff around it. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of interesting things. It was, it was very cool to hear how he did that and see him when we try to go to dinner and he couldn't because he was working on that. I can go to a laptop, but he, he's got to go play some strings and that's right. the piano is a little tougher to pull out of a backpack. So besides working on a secret film that you can't tell us much about, what are the things that you want to you know, tell people are cool stuff that's on the horizon for you? I, I'm trying to figure out more ways to provide music curation for more people because I think people, I don't know where to look for new music. If you can't go to a record store, Blogs aren't really a thing. It's just Spotify general lists or discover weekly, like things like those, which I don't think are as handmade. So I'm trying to figure out a better way. That's why I got this community texting number where people can sign up and I could send them the music. So that's something I'm kind of always figuring out is how can I share more great music with more people, right? So I started out working, it was a friend who wanted to give people new music. Then I got to work at a record store and I can give strangers music. <laughs> And now at this level, I can give a lot of strangers on a more national <laughs> global level, new music. And that goes back to bringing the supervisors out from the kitchen to putting a stamp of approval on things. So that's one ambition of mine. I think music, creativity, I'm fascinated by both of them and health and wellness is something that's become a passion that's of right. mine. I think you've got a podcast that you're working on. So we're doing it. It's a podcast slash we're kind of test driving it on clubhouse 
So we've done three of them so far. So that is the other big thing of talking about how can you utilize health and wellness to foster creativity, to support creativity instead of competing with it and how you can balance that because look at how many people are, you know, dying in hip hop or how many people will be lost early in the sixties or seventies to burnout and all of drugs and all these things. And so I think little things you can do mm-hmm. that can open up creativity. And I think we're at a place now where people are aware there's a problem. They're open to talking about it. Sure. And I think the correlation between the two is, is really significant and people are maybe embarrassed or don't know where the door is to have that conversation. Or they don't feel like it's cool because you're always at, in our world, we're at, we used to be at, at dinners, drinks, concerts, post-drinks, all these things which involve no sleep, late night food, alcohol, all these things that there's nothing wrong with. But yeah, I certainly think that it puts a shorter timeline on your ability to do that for longer. So yep, yep, yep. now so I moved to the beach here in Jersey and nature. I think looking at the pandemic, I think the two things that are universal that you're finding are the cures are music and food. Week one, week one of quarantine, what did everyone post? Here's a playlist. Everyone's accountant and their mom and everyone posted a playlist. They didn't know the words to describe these feelings. So they went to music as a source for comfort in a way for someone to articulate and help them guide it emotionally. And then anyone who was in New York thought they were okay. And then I think they stepped out into a forest like kind of left the city, left pavement and found nature. And it things into perspective. And it's like, oh, we're going to be all right. So I think more music and more nature is hopefully going to be helping people. What's the podcast called? Oh, the create, I should have done it right. uh, (laughs) The creatives diet. Excellent. So it's partially some foods and things, but just the whole lifestyle that can support everlasting and elevated creative output. Perfect. Perfect. That feels like a good and then, for us to... Yeah, I think it's the last thing what's tough to do now, but, you know, DJ Puppy Hiccups, it would be... Oh, that's it. right. That's right, DJ. Been, <laughs> I haven't done the digital thing, but that would be the last one, would be that, which, you know... You feel, you feel you're going to get out there on that one? Well, you know what? The guy actually, like, checks tags at, at, at the gym, asked me for a playlist for his birthday. Like, what are you doing, man? I haven't DJed in a while, so... <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see there is that fun of doing it online and see if you just can't read the room, like who's dancing, who's not dancing and mm-hmm. adapting live. And there's a bit more vulnerability, I think, in DJing because if a song fails, everyone kind of looks at you. <laughs> so like, well, here's 10 tracks. If it doesn't, it's like not that big of a deal, you know? So there's an excitement to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This has been amazing to get to, to a chance to talk to you and hear you chop it up on those topics. And you brought up some fun film and creative thinking to what we're doing here at Sync Love. So I really appreciate it you spending the time. Um, we have one thing that we're trying to do, which is ask the same question at the end as part of our wrap. It came from me talking to a friend who was saying that they got teased about talking about some scene in a film with music that always cheers them up. <laughs> you know, it was kind of a corny thing, but they were like, it always gets me. And so my question to you is, what's sort of a film scene with music that always gets you? It's a very good question. Yeah, I've only recently been able to cry again, which I'm very excited about and happy about, you know, going inward and finding that. So, all right. So that the film, the first film that finally got me to cry after probably uh, 15 years with mm-hmm. wanting to and not being able to, 
I was, you know, I used to always be out every night, right? Concerts and I got into all this wellness so I could do that and be functional and happy and healthy. But there's always like, you know, three hours on Sundays, you know, between five and nine or something like that or four where I could just finally watch a movie and just chill. <laughs> and I hadn't had one of those in a long time. So I'm going to finally watch a movie. Like I'm in my apartment, I'm just going to sit and watch a movie, which I never yeah. knew. Everyone kept talking about this movie and like music people like loved it. Everyone loved it, who I wouldn't thought loved it. And so I put it on, a star is born. And by the end I got, there we go. There is, there is, there was about three tears, but I was very like, very excited by it. It got me. Did so, you collect them? Collect the little bottle? And then, yes. Yeah. Gladman tears on, on eBay right now. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, so yeah, a star is born. That was a good question. That's nice. I, I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, musically, I mean, the first time I almost cried was either Lion King or Armageddon. But we'll say, we're going to say Star is Born. Star is Born. That sounds good. We'll, we'll take that in. That's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> I, think I wasn't briefed on that early. So I could, I <laughs> there you go. So it could be. DJ it right on the spot. Yeah. There you go. Vulnerability. There you go. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike. This was great. Look forward to seeing all the cool creative output that you have coming up. And if there's anything that you would like people to be able to you know, reach you, find you? What's, what's the, what's the yeah. place if they want to say? First, thanks so much for having me. And this was such a fun interview. A lot of different <laughs> questions and perspectives and narratives. So thank you for that. Uh, this was fun. And I'm Ladman Music on L-A-D-M-A-N, music, one word, on every platform from on Instagram the most. A new thing I did because of Clubhouse, <laughs> getting a little crowded, so I have to bear some responses, but I have a collaborative playlist on there. And so if people DM me their artist name and the track, they can drop one track on the playlist and I'm giving everyone as timely as possible one round of feedback on there. But yeah, don't be shy. Awesome. Reach, reach out and say hi. Oh, he's yeah. a good guy to do it too. Thank you again, Mike. And this has been Sync Love and we'll see you guys on the other side. Sync Love is a co-production of Sync Floor and Electrocast Media. On our next episode, Dream Tech specialist Courtney Sheehan illuminates the unconscious effects of sound and music in Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Our producer is David Tausick. Our executive producers are Mark Netter and Peter Rafis. Our editor is Cam Castro. Special thanks to Sinkflor artists Naka and Mokov and Sinkflor partner Motor Music for their musical contributions to the show, as well as designer Jeremiah Whitaker for our Sinkflor cover art. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like this show, give us a rating and tell your friends. Until next time, I'm your host, Kurt DeVeek. Keep listening to the movies. Electricast. Hi, I'm Lassa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic.
electric acid.